Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here every week, win, lose or draw. Talking all things United. This is the United People's Podcast. Well, ladies and gents, part six of the most anticipated series ever. Uh, it's not. Uh, it might be. I don't know. But uh, I'm joined again by Ben. How you doing, Ben? Uh, I imagine after the last, what, 12 hours, 14, 16 hours or so, it's been a bit chaotic. I think is the fairest word to describe what happened last night with the second stage deadline for the bids to go in for Manchester United. What's going to be happening from the Qatari side? The bid's gone in. Well, maybe it hasn't gone in. Ineos, the bid's gone in. Uh, actually, no, I'm not quite sure if the bid has gone in. I'm hoping that we can have this discussion to pretty much give everybody the full summary because uh, you're coming at it from, uh, from a journalist's point of view. You're, you're coming at it from a different point of view to a lot of fans. So you're obviously, uh, you're receiving information. It's it's about, we'll speak about the whole process here as, as much as we possibly can and try and give a bit of clarity on what happened and then maybe what's going to happen next. But then. Make us all feel better, please. <laughs> this feels very on-brand for Manchester United. Very Glazers, very chaotic. It's dramatic. It, we didn't need it to be dramatic. Well, did we? I don't know, but help us, please. Well, first of all, we're into our hexalogy. Which oh, is, is that the word? That the word? Is that the word, right. And I feel like the takeover of Manchester United could also be a six-stage series at this rate. Numerous people connected to the process had said there wouldn't really be fireworks on the second offer deadline evening, UK time, 9pm. And there was, and it was certainly unexpected. So let's try and first just give a basic timeline. And then I guess we can go into any specifics from there. It was a dramatic night and there were actual confirmations that both Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe had sent their bid on time shortly before the 9pm deadline, which is naturally why, as journalists, we reported that. And these were not just the odd source disconnected from the process. It was pretty categorical in what was said by people close to each group that the bids had gone in. And as a consequence, it looked like a very normal night. And then about half an hour later, sources close to Manchester United and the selling side revealed the opposite, that nothing had been received by the Rain Group who are handling the sale on behalf of Manchester United. And from there, things get a little bit complicated. So what is categorically clear as of this morning is that both Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe have been given an extension. Now, you may hear some reports that the extension was offered by Rain and accepted by Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe. But my understanding is that Rain Group didn't change any deadlines or offer any extension. It was business as usual on behalf of the process and Rain Group. It was Sheikh Jassim and Ratcliffe who actually asked for 
more time. And that was granted by Rain Group. But at the same time, other groups still in the process did meet that 9pm UK deadline. And as a consequence, it is only, as far as I understand, the two outright bidding groups who are yet at the time of recording to table their offers. So in the bigger picture, doesn't change much because Rain granted the extension, the second bids will be improved and come in imminently, and then everything will continue on track. And still before the month is out, it's likely there'll be clarity as to what the next stage entails. But the confusion was around the fact that some sources said that Rain had moved the goalposts, and that was fervently denied by insiders who are closer to the Manchester United side and the sellers. And having dug over the course of the last 24 hours, my understanding remains, as I reported last night, when it was very fluid and chaotic, that Rain haven't changed anything. What they've done is granted a request from both Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe. And it is unclear as to whether that came in due time or was scrambled at the last minute. And I think given that the groups had suggested they were going to bid for 9pm UK, it would be more logical to deduce that they hadn't asked for this extension too far out. And what we know about both groups is they were working around the clock to finalise their bid. So then the other thing that people want to know in all of this is why would they miss the deadline? And does that mean that they're no longer credible or in the race? And none of that is true. The reason why you might miss a deadline is twofold. If we're being cynical, we can put it down to gamesmanship. It can be in the interests of any suitor to delay, to try and see how others move. And if we're being less cynical, it's just more time is needed. It's a lot of work in a short period, post those meetings in Manchester to get your number in. And the reason why this second offer is important is because the groups, and I even think those handling the process, don't yet know what the next step is because it's all contingent on the number. So yeah. if you are Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe, you're no longer putting a second offer in to get through. You have to put a second offer in knowing it might be to get through and have a non-exclusive stage and another round of bidding in which case you would logically go lower and not show your hand. But there is that scenario in the background that there could be a singular group, a preferred bidder and an exclusive period as the next stage. It may not be the most likely scenario, but it's there as a very realistic possibility. And as a result, if you're moving at speed and you're trying to work out what your rivals are doing and you're worried that this might be the last offer you get to place, if you're Sheikh Jassim or Sir Jim Ratcliffe, you don't want to rush it, which means that if you can afford additional time, you take it. So it can be gamesmanship, it can be logistics, it can be a fear that this is your one and only shot because only one group may go through, which means we would lose Sheikh Jassim or Sir Jim Ratcliffe and the other groups will be thinking the same thing as well. But the short answer to what happened is there were clear near categorical indications from both the groups we know about, they bid. And half an hour later, there was a U-turn on that. And the situation is that as of Thursday morning, 
the two groups have not yet officially sent their offer, despite saying they had. And my understanding remains that's because they asked for more time rather than Rain offered them more time. Ben, I think the question that I'd like to ask around the concept of gamesmanship, I spoke about this in uh, my live stream this morning. How much information will Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos have around the Qatari bid and vice versa? I I mean, are we talking about a sort of a sealed bid situation where they're not really going to have access to understand how much the other person's bid is going to be? Because we've spoken about it before. Mm. You're saying it's a very tight circle that knows how much the Sheikh Jassim bid actually is. So in in the concept of gamesmanship, how can it be a game if you don't know what the other person's hand is and what they're playing? Well, it's a game because you don't know what the other person's hand is. So if nobody knows the specific bid of a rival and everybody's under NDAs, but the rain group and the Glazers are trying to get the highest possible price, you can have a scenario where there's mystery bidders, secret bidders, and there's intimations and whispers of what the number is. And that may be the reality of the situation, but it also may be games. And as long as nobody can say anything and as long as things are not shared, then if you are working on behalf of the Glazers, you can use all of that to drive up the price. And then because they're not talking to each other, there will be effectively a scouring of the market to try and work out who's moving in what direction. And that might come from financial insiders. It might come from independent valuers. Each group will do their best to try and work out where their rivals are in terms of value, but also in terms of timescale. So if Sheikh Jassim felt like it was Radcliffe that had asked for the extension first, absolutely the 9-2 Foundation would replicate that because they would otherwise feel like putting in their bid and then allowing Ratcliffe some time to try and work out what it was would be counterproductive and vice versa. So once one group asks for an extension, it would be normal if we're talking about gamesmanship for the other group to want one as well. And in addition to that, the groups are asking around as best they can. And you're absolutely right in what you say that nothing definitive in terms of a specific number may be shared, but there's a lot of gamesmanship And there's a lot of digging. And how can you send a message to another group? You can do that as rain by saying, for example, to Jim Ratcliffe or Sheikh Jassim, listen, we're going to put two through, but we've got a mystery group that have bid above you. And they don't have to say what they've bid. They simply have to say you need to improve your offer or you're not going to be put through. Similarly, a message can be sent to a group via the media. So if a group waits until after the deadline, even if they don't know specifics, they can take in the media coverage, they can be asking around, and perhaps it will be indicated via the media or via their insiders that the magic number is X, or maybe a new group would come forwards, which is another reason why you might wait. And we saw this with Chelsea, that when you get to this stage, it's very difficult for the non-public groups to stay private because you have to start engaging with the fan base. You have to start saying what you're going to do. You have to come out the woodwork at some point. So if eight groups visited Manchester United over the course of the last two weeks, then six of them were kept relatively secret. 
obviously we know about Elliot, but they're basically just financers. So the identity of the other five, plus then Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe, but those five are unknown. And it's very difficult to hide a tour, to hide a meeting if it's going to be taking place at Old Trafford and yeah. Carrington. There's a lot of people around. So there is a very real possibility, still present tense, and there was a possibility last night, that if there's another, for example, outright bidder, they would have to come forwards. And if they didn't, they would be outed anyway. And again, if you're Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Sheikh Jassim, you might wait and see what happens. And that's another sub-narrative in all of this, that Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe are sceptical about the volume of suitors they're up against and the value that those suitors put on Manchester United. And as long as Sheikh Jassim thinks that the Glazers will sell and he's only in a race against Sir Jim Ratcliffe, he can be very confident because the Glazers are likely to sell to the highest bidder. And Sheikh Jassim knows that if it's only Sir Jim Ratcliffe, he's likely to be the highest bidder. If other criteria become significant to deciding who owns Manchester United, it's a different story. But if they want out, yeah. then the highest bidder is highly, highly likely to win. So if both Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Sheikh Jassim feel like it's only the two of them and there's a lower volume of credible suitors and that the Glazers do want an outright sale, then they're not going to bid against mystery groups, which means that if they both wait, they can see who comes out the woodwork. Is there actually that third group, that fourth outright group? Is there a credible American consortium? And that would change the bid. Whereas if nobody comes out the woodwork and no intel is known, the number they put on the football club doesn't matter specifically because it's likely in a two-horse race, should the Glazers choose to proceed with a full sale, both groups can be put through and competitive tension will be used to drive up the price. But then they would understand that they've got a bit more control. Whereas imagine if last night a third outright bidder, and one could still exist because multiple offers were placed before the 9pm deadline. But if that group came out publicly, it would change the entire dynamic of the situation. So waiting can be tactical. That's the cynical conclusion from last night. Or waiting can just be logistical because it is a lot of work in a short space of time to get from Thursday and Friday, taking these meetings to the middle of this week and placing a binding offer. Binding not in the sense of legal and final, but more concrete than indicative. That that was <clears throat> that was a point that I've discussed as well is it can't be considered too much of us given that the meetings happened at Old Trafford Thursday the Qatari delegation then Friday the Ineos delegation and then what was it four days five days later all of a sudden they're expected to go from those meetings where they have far more access to a lot more information to putting together a bid for a business in excess of five billion pounds it's an extremely short turnaround so I mean I'm not too set the, the thing I would ask you I mean you can tell me as much as information as you uh, as you want to is is it a case of fingers pointing in all directions in the in the in the, in this concept of the rain group is saying well you know it wasn't us who actually but we it wasn't us we we didn't delay this and then the Qataris are saying well they came out and said the bid's in and then well, the bid's not in 
So are they pointing fingers elsewhere? Are, 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 are Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos doing the same thing? It, it, that's probably why I use that word chaos because it doesn't. We don't really seem to know the orchestrator, I suppose, of these delays. It's a domino effect, as I said before. That if one group finds out another's asked for an extension, it's logical that they would do the same. So my understanding remains to reiterate that Rain Group haven't moved any goalposts here. It's very much about the groups for outright ownership of Manchester United asking for more time and that being granted. And if this morning or this lunchtime, the bids just drop, then it's more likely, in my view, that it's tactical. Whereas if they need a day or two, it would suggest that time is actually needed to ensure that these numbers are watertight and it is exactly the number that they want to table. I don't think it's necessarily finger-pointing my feeling about the chaos last night is that there was an expectation at the beginning of the day that the bids would all come in on time. And that was because sources close to the two groups and close to the sale all felt like there would be no fireworks, no twist. It would be a relatively quiet night. And the main headline would just be, as we reported during the day, to improve bids and other suitors still in the race to buy Manchester United, including, of course, minority investors. And then even by about 7.30, 8pm, it was exactly the same. Everything was on track. And then by 9, it was confirmed by those close to the groups that the bids were in, but then suddenly they weren't. So that would suggest that the confusion had come from the two groups, whereas when I talk to people that are insiders on behalf of the sellers, they're very clear that the roadmap outlined hasn't moved or changed. So there's a lot out there, for example, that says the Manchester United process, there's a soft deadline, then there's a second bid, and it could be done by Easter. And then within that, we also heard after the meetings, there's this 10-day deadline to make an offer. And again, that might be because things come out and are painted that way. But Rain Group with the Chelsea takeover were very transparent under NDAs with the groups. And they had very firm dates on their roadmap that didn't move. So even though every deadline is a soft deadline, as we found with this one, as we found with the first one in February as well, they were still listed as dates. And those dates haven't moved which means that all of the groups knew about yesterday, even before they took the meetings with Manchester United. And those groups had been given not full due diligence, but a lot is out there about Manchester United from a financial perspective anyway. But they were given extra data plus presentations, and therefore it is very feasible to get to a second offer quite quickly, which is why ultimately the process is still on track. So yeah. there are two sides to every story and that has bred confusion and drama for sure. But again, my understanding, having spoken to all sides, is that those who are part of the sale process are adamant that nothing has changed at their end 
And if it had changed at their end and the goalposts had been moved, then it wouldn't be one rule for Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe and another for everyone else. It would effectively be blanket. And if it was blanket, then the other groups that have bid would also have delayed. Because the last thing you want to do is put in a binding offer or more binding offer. I keep calling it binding. I should point out that everything can still change after this point, but a more concrete offer than only an indicative one. The last thing you would want to do is any group is value the club, stick in your offer, and then find that you're too early. And actually you wish you'd have gone higher or lower because your rivals have had more time. I look at it like an exam. And if you've got three hours to write an essay and then somebody says, you can actually have five. Are you going to put your pen down after three? Or are you going yeah, to say- Yeah, you are. Okay, You're going to run out of that exam hall. <laughs> what, and get to the pub? <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I didn't do that, but it's cool. I mean, I was a straight A student because- I made Oh, sure humble brag, not only time, but extra time, the sort of cheap time where the pens are down, but you scribble that last sentence before whoever's adjudicating looks at you and says, hey, I told you to stop. But look, on a serious note, if there was a extended deadline blanket and available to all parties, I would be surprised if all parties didn't take it. So the fact that bids have come in either means they're mystery bids and it's gamesmanship. And really, this is just a two-horse race. Mm. Or there are other groups, which has always been the genuine indication by those that are part of the process. And we've got no reason to disbelieve that the Glazers are not looking at finances and minority investors as well. If they've gone in, they have to go through the same process as everyone else. They have to value the club at 100%, even if they only want to buy 1%, even if they only want to finance it. They still have to be aware of the club and its liabilities on the football side, on the commercial side, on the tax side, on the property side. So everyone basically goes through the same process. People like Elliot are a little bit different because if they did only want to lend, then the terms of lending, even with the Credit Suisse fiasco may not alter significantly, but in essence, no one wants to be too early and everyone wants to work out if they can what their rival is doing. So if yeah. it was Rain or Manchester United or specifically the Glazers that said take more time, I would imagine that everybody would have delayed even if their offer was ready. The fact that some offers are in and Sheikh Jasmine and Jim Ratcliffe's ones are not would again play into this narrative that it was those wishing to buy, not those facilitating the sale, that determined they needed extra time. I, I think um, a question that a lot of United fans will be asking at this point, right? We used, we spoke about the hypotheticals, not the hypotheticals, but the, the reasons why this delay yeah. could come in. But that concept there of the third bidder, the concept of, somebody else coming in apart from the Qatari uh, bid and apart from the Ineos bid with a, with a view for a full takeover. Do you, have you heard anything that suggests that that really is the case other than the idea that rain group have been saying that there are multiple parties interested? Uh, I think it was James Ducker from the Telegraph who said mm. there could be up to four full takeover bids. He said that last week, I believe. And I kind of, if I'm, if I'm right in what I'm saying that he was kind of, they were kind of the only people that were saying that. Hasn't really been followed up elsewhere. Now, we've spoken previously about Apple and Amazon and Dubai and private Saudi, blah, blah, blah. There were so many other people that were linked with it as well. 
Jeff Bezos at one point. I've already mentioned Amazon. Are you hearing anything that suggests that that third bid really could be there, or is it still just shrouded in mystery? Well, we know it's not Elon Musk. That's yep. for sure. So he can be ruled out. Look, I'm very cautious on this because I've covered a number of takeovers, and I know that even if things were done in April or May, this is still quite an early stage in the process. Of course, it can move fast. So with the deadlines being soft and with some groups not wanting to go public, we have to be very cautious. There can absolutely be a twist, and it wouldn't be a massive surprise if there is another outright bidder that for business reasons or personal reasons is just keeping private. And I can make a comparison with the Chelsea sale where when effectively we got into this next step, if multiple groups are put through and it was a much shorter short list, so not eight, not five, but potentially as little as two and at the most four, that was the next step for Chelsea at this point, even though there's not that many parallels between the urgency of the Chelsea sale and this. But if we compare the process, which is more comparable because Rain Group handled the Chelsea sale and they're handling the Manchester United sale. It was only when we got down to the final few groups that the mystery bidder, which proved to be Steve Paliuka, came forwards. And as I've said many times, that's because at that stage in the Chelsea sale, the groups had to start engaging with the fan base. So they could no longer keep themselves secret. And that's still possible with this, that an indicative offer, a lot of groups, because it's not binding in any way and can go both up or down, don't want to come out the woodwork. But after a second offer, <coughs> there's more chance, if that second offer is successful to get them through the next stage, that they might become public. So it's a wait and see. And mystery can mean genuinely there and wanting to keep quiet. And mystery can mean manufactured to create competitive tension. And by the way, that's not the Glazers in any way fibbing. It's just there'll be a number of groups that are hovering or have inquired or have expressed an interest but haven't yet actually followed through and tabled a bit. And because it's a soft deadline, even those connected to the sales side can never be categorically sure that somebody won't enter the race late. And again, coming back to Chelsea, after Clear Late Bowley, who are now the owners of Chelsea, were in an exclusive period. So Jim Ratcliffe relieved a statement saying he was going to bid for Chelsea and he had in excess of four billion in order to do so. So there could always be that surprise, which is why those connected to the process rather than the prospective buyers are well within their rights to say, listen, there's interest. There are groups that have inquired we've not heard back from, or there is somebody that we can't name and we can't go into detail and we can't tell you if they're minority, majority or outright, but there's another group in there. And I still think it would be a surprise at the end of this process if there was not somebody who was American-led, either in a minority sense or an outright sense, because this whole process was kind of designed by Americans for Americans in many ways. Yeah, and then agree. everybody agree. wants to know the name and the identity, but it's not always in the interest of a business to do so. And if we come back to a more standard takeover that's not tendered like this one, because this is more like broadcast rights. And when Premier League rights 
go up for tender, you have stages of bidding, you have deadlines, you have criteria, and it's handled by a third party and eventually the highest bidder wins. And that's kind of what the Manchester United process is. And it's also what Chelsea was, but a standard takeover. By the time you find out who the bidder is, you're often seven to nine months into talks. So we shouldn't look at this like a transfer whereby it's quick and everybody should be known and somehow there's a daily blow-by-blow update. We should look at this as a private business transaction that because it's Manchester United and because the Glazers released their statement is being played out extraordinarily publicly, perhaps even surprisingly so. We're a public company. Yeah, but even with Chelsea, because of the Abramovich thing, it was very public. And I think that those in America are not as used, even with a public company, to this fanfare, this daily tabloid blow by blow, this craving from the Manchester United fan base. It was the same with Chelsea to know exactly what's going on every single minute of every single day. And every time you get to the evening, people want to know what's the update, what's the progress. And everyone's question is always the same. How quickly is it going to get done? Are the Glazers definitely leaving and who is going to win and bid the most? And it's very easy to get sucked into this group of the favourites, this group of the richest, this group of the most ambitious, this group of the most confident. And it is true with both Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe that they have highly ambitious plans. But more important than any of that at this point is still not who is confident and who is the richest, but what do the Glazers want to do? And as we said in the last show, the most reassuring part of the next stage and perhaps the most frustrating thing about last night and the confusion is that it doesn't really matter what happens next. The Glazers' hand will be shown. So what we're looking for is the most important indication is, is there family unity, particularly between Joel and Avram and the other four siblings? And is that shown by who they put through? If they put through one group, then like the decision or load the decision, you will know categorically the preference is either outright sale or minority investment. If they put through two outright bidders, you will know that they're prepared to sell the club and that's their priority. If they put through one or two outright bidders and minority investors and financers, you know they're still undecided and there's going to be more stages to the process. But the next seven days or so will switch from what the groups are doing and what they might bid and how confident they are and who's in their makeup. And that's what we saw from the visits in Manchester to the other side. The ball is in the Glazers' court and they can't keep putting through everyone. They can't keep not showing their hand. So that's what we said last time. We're waiting as the shortlist gets less and less and less to see whether there's a pattern. And if it's only outright bidders, then... Regardless of who wins, I think the fan base would be celebrating that. And if it's only minority investors, I think the stock price might take a tumble and the fan base might get very irritated. And if it's a mix of everything, bit more than I still think that the outright bidders will be a bit worried because they'll feel like they've done everything in their power 
to buy the whole club or certainly the 69% stake of the Glazers quickly only to find that there's a whole range of suitors in there and that lack of clarity will lower their confidence that it might get done. So that's what we're waiting to see. And of course, in fairness to the Glazers, we can't get to a point where we predict what direction they'll get to until they themselves have seen the offers, which is why the delay in the offers coming in was so dramatic. Until they know the number and digest the number, I don't think they'll be able to make their mind up. <sighs> Never easy with Manchester United, is it? And I, I, the point you, one the point, normal day of no. Manchester United. Ooh, is one normal Barclays weekend, that's all we want. <laughs> but um, but I th- I, the point you made there about the craving for updates is is definitely true. Uh, that's, that's kind of part of... Um, I don't know whether it's modern football culture, but just the way that a football fan's relationship to a club is certainly because of what happens in transfers. I think that's kind of applied to every aspect of a football club now. Like we need an update here. And that I, I do a new show every morning and there are constantly new things to talk about every single day mm-hmm. uh, because there are updates. It's just, it's kind of part of the industry. Uh, my, my sort of, my take on this from this point on is I'd be very surprised if, if we don't get to a third round of bids. And if I'm thinking about this from the <clears throat> what would benefit the Glazers the most is more jeopardy. Is mm. the is is the I if if I'm looking at it from from their point of view, how I know them as as owners and what they've done so far, I'd almost be surprised if they didn't just put a minority investment a possible owner through to the third round just for that jeopardy, just to say ah. Uh, it's still we might still stay here to take maybe a little bit of power negotiation away from uh rain group uh, no sorry from the uh, Ineos group and the Qatari group as well just a little bit also of breaking news reaching me on my phone and that is that there is a Finnish entrepreneur called Thomas Ziliakus who has entered the race for Manchester United he is the chairman of Nova M Group, and he did meet the deadline yesterday, and he is being backed by an investment company. Obviously, we're live at the moment, and I'm only just receiving that, so I will bring you more on how much of the club he wants and how progressed that is, but there's another name to come out the woodwork. And as we were discussing very recently there's always that possibility. So that's one to watch as well. And I think that it is very normal for groups after a second offer is placed to put their name out there. And that is because the way these things work is your first offer doesn't mean anything. Your second offer shows you're serious. So then there becomes a need to go public. And the statement that I've received from Ziliakus, and I'm just reading this as I get yeah, it, I'll is that it as well. his group will finance half of the sum needed to take over Manchester United and then ask for fans to effectively do the rest. Now, that's not going to go down well. And this reminds me a little bit, even though it was fan-led, of Red Devils United, who, to my understanding, haven't entered the process at this point, but ah, they, they were trying to get capital on one side 
and then NFT funding on the other. So look, I'll bring you more on that. We have to, as journalists, cover all sides. We have to tell you about any prospective bidders. But anything I think that wants fans to invest to get to the capital is not going to stand a particularly credible chance necessarily. However, anybody that is still in the process at this point is significant. So the other question about Ziliakos, which I think is key, is has he actually gone through stage one? Now, we're live and this yeah. is breaking, but it would not remotely surprise me if this is PR and that he has not entered into the process. And this is where you get opportunism. This is where you get PR. This is where you get groups saying they will bid or they have bid because anybody can write an email or send proof of funds or make a first inquiry at this point. But has he actually gone through an indicative offer secretly, then gone to Old Trafford and now confirm that this is his bid or not? And I think as soon as it becomes half his fan funding, it is less likely logically that he's within the process already because if you have a high volume of offers and you have a series of credible suitors, it becomes less likely that any suitor that doesn't yet have the funds in place because they're reliant on fan funding would be put through within the process. So that's one to watch. It's only just breaking and I'll keep you posted on more as I learn about it. Yep, uh, just breaking now as well as um, covering from the Times is uh, the confirmation of the Elliott Group offering the minority investment offer, which we knew pretty much. The Elliott Group have been there through this entire process. Ben, I don't know how by the end of by the end of this conversation, we're going to be on part four hundred and thirty-four. I reckon it's <laughs> it's wild. I mean that that idea there of of, a, of putting forward half the money and asking every fan. It's these are the sort of pipe dream. Converse, oh yeah, be, be, be a fan-led, fan-owned club. I'm going to have to do a video on that separately. Jeez, thank you so much for your time today. Um, yeah, absolute pleasure. Mate, I want to mate. add one more thing really quickly. Yeah, I should point out as well that in our chats, my batteries got lower and lower and lower. So <laughs> when I suddenly disappear, then I've not been swallowed up by the Manchester United sale process. My battery's just gone. But I just want to point out one more thing, a little bit of exclusive news, which is the Sheikh Jassim side, I've said many times, are looking for a football lead. And Manchester United are, of course, looking for a kind of football lead or recruitment expert or sporting director. And I know that all the groups at this point are looking at football experts because you have to prepare for the eventuality you're going to win, but also Manchester United have to prepare anyway on the football side, regardless of what happens. So Paul Mitchell, who is leaving Monaco, is one to watch. And my understanding is that the links with Liverpool are complete red herrings and that is not a likely move. And that if there is to be a credible Premier League club that he could move to next, it would actually be much more likely to be Manchester United and that Liverpool is not really an option for him at this point. So it'd be interesting to see whether Manchester United now think about Mitchell or whether actually a group like Sheikh Jassim or Sir Jim Ratcliffe think about Mitchell. And nothing is definite yet, but yeah. keep an eye out on Paul Mitchell. That is the final thing I will tell you 
before I disappear, either because I need a night's sleep after last night or because my computer just turns off. <laughs> well, f- funny you should mention Paul Mitchell because I had a whole conversation about him this morning and Paul Mitchell is someone I've admired for a long time. He really knows what he's doing. If we're talking about Gary Neville's concept of best in class and we, and we know full well that the Qatari delegation, both of them actually, Ineos and the Qataris, they're going to bring the right people in, the smart people. Paul Mitchell is definitely one to watch. Hi, I don't know when part seven is going to be, but I hope everyone's enjoyed this. Uh, make sure you follow Ben on uh, Twitter at Jacobs Ben. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to have to do another video on Thomas uh, Ziliakis now. Jeez, busy old day coming up. I've never a dull moment, but thanks very much for your time, Ben, as always. All the best, Sam. Take care. Bye. Take it easy. This is a United People's TV and Listening Dog Media production. Sports Social Podcast Network.